Psalm for this morning is Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I am so glad to be here. Um, it's so fun. Uh, it was, from, from our perspective, um, an accident that we got connected to your congregation so closely a few years ago. Um, I've been calling that time that we spent in the U.S. in 2020 our accidental sabbatical, um, and it was such a blessing to be here, and especially to, to be uh, blessed with Pastor, Pastor Aaron's preaching. Um, it's quite intimidating, I have to say, to preach at uh, the, the church where he preaches at, um, and uh, I was very blessed um, by that. So thank you. Um, thank you for the, the blessing that all of you were to, to all of us um, during that time in 2020. Um, and I just have a few things before I start here that I wanted to kind of give you some caveats. Um, the, the place where we work and serve, as you're probably aware, is quite sensitive, and we're doing a live stream here. So um, during the sermon, I will be uh, not using place names. Um, I'll, I'll kind of uh, uh, talk about that in a vague way. Um, I would love to share more detail with you, Coco and I both, um, in, the, in the Bible class later, and in, in that won't be recorded, so we'll feel very free to speak, you know, speak freely. Um, a little bit about Psalm 72 um, as we get into the message today. 
Um, the reason why we're speaking on Psalm 72 is actually not necessarily my choice or Pastor Aaron's choice. Um, so the reason Psalm 72 came to me is actually through our congregation um, in the city where we live. Um, and uh, we do not have any uh, paid staff at this congregation. Uh, the whole congregation is, is run through the elders and the deacons. Uh, so all the leadership is volunteer. Um, everything is, is done through, through volunteers. And um, so uh, two years ago, they asked me, um, people, you know, we live in a big city. There's lots of transition. People come, people go. So two years ago, they asked me to step into the speaking rotation at our congregation. Um, so there's about, it's not that often, so I don't have that much practice yet. Um, it's about every two to three months, um, there's about six to eight people who are, are sharing. The very first sermon was on Psalm 72. It wasn't my choice, it was just part of the, I was just next on the list. So through the pandemic period, we did a series on, on the Psalms. And the Psalms are just so beautiful and amazing, especially during hard times and times whenever you have a lot of emotions and David and all of the other psalmists, they have this amazing way of teaching us how to process our difficult emotions and the things that are going on in the world around us and how to uh, understand them, but especially how to bring them to God. Um, and that's the most important thing. So that's, that's the background on Psalm 72. I have to say I was really happy about that because this psalm is about um, justice, righteousness, serving the poor, taking care of the needy. Um, and that's a big part of the work that we do in Asia. So it, it seemed to fit quite well. So um, about justice, um, I know this is, I'm, I'm delving into something that maybe is controversial in America, but I hope we can see it from the Bible's perspective this morning. Um, so we can see how important justice is to humans by looking at TV shows. And Coco and I really enjoyed a TV show where we, where we live. There's a very popular TV show several years ago. The, the English name, the translation is called In the Name of the People. Um, so this show is about uh, uh, a crew of, of police officers, law enforcement officers. Their job is to root out and find corruption in the government and bring people to justice, bring these corrupt government officials to justice. So if you know anything about our country, this has been a big problem for many years, um, and uh, the current government is trying hard to, to work on this problem, or they have been. So it's quite sensitive, actually, but also allowed, and everybody loved this. Um, so here's one quote about you know, somebody from social media who, who loved this show. Uh, this show really cheers me up. I shed tears after watching this drama. Um, so it's about, you know, it's about cops. <laughs> Um, and also in America here, we have a, a show or a series of shows. I don't know if any show has gone longer, and that's Law and Order. So there's about 20 years of the first Law and Order, and then Special Victims Unit went for another 20 years. I don't know if they're still, is it still going? Is it still going? Okay. So uh, over 40 years of this show, I mean, several different uh, variations. But um, again, we can see this show is so popular. People love this for many years, and that's because we have something deep inside of us. God has created something deep inside of us that longs for justice, for things to be made right, for wrongs to be made right. And in the words of the Lord of the Rings, that all, all the sad things will come untrue. Everybody wants that. Um, and this is the, the actor, you may know Mariska Hargitay. She's the lead actress for uh, Law & Order SVU. 
She said, it became very apparent to me how much culturally we needed this character, who, this character, her character, who she was playing, who relentlessly fights and advocates for women and for survivors and who does it with compassion. Somebody who is unequivocally committed to righting wrongs. Deep down, everyone, all of us, all humans, we long for justice and for all wrongs to be made right. So why is that? The Bible gives us a very clear answer. Um, humans are created in God's image. God loves justice. But even though we all have this deep down, God-breathed longing and love for justice, our ability to actually do justice in the world in the way that God has designed humans has been lost. We all have the, the sin sickness that has been passed down to us. Because the first humans chose and because we continue to choose every day, our own way over God's way, too often instead of justice and righteousness, we choose injustice and sin. But what about God? What do we see um, in him? What do we see in his character? Well, he told us very directly um, about his, his character and his, um, who he is. Um, some people have called this the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. It's the, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible by the rest of the Bible. So other Bible authors will quote this very, very often. And it's uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 to 7. This is right after um, Moses went up on Mount Sinai. He got the Ten Commandments. He came back down. He saw the golden calf. The people are, you know, immediately... Right away, they're, they're, uh, they're rejecting God. They're rebelling. He got very angry. He threw down the, the tablets. He went back up to the mountain to talk to God again. And this is one of the things that God said to him. Um, Exodus chapter 34, verse six, 6 to 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord uh, would be Yahweh. So Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed Yahweh, Yahweh, the God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." So in these two verses, in this um, reintroduction of God's character to the people of Israel, um, he uh, introduces his character in two main parts. So we have the, the mercy and the compassion. Um, this is closely connected to grace, steadfast love, faithfulness. There's a variety of different ways that he expresses this idea. Um, so that's the first. And on the other side, we have justice. Um, and that, that's closely connected in the Bible to righteousness. So justice and righteousness all go, always go together, or almost always go together. Um, and so if we look at those two things, we have um, mercy, compassion, love on one side, forgiveness. We also have justice and righteousness on the other side. So this is what God said, who he is. Um, if we look at that very closely and we ponder it, about, uh, uh, ponder it a little bit, it's, it's a little bit um, confusing. And it feels a little bit um, hard to put together into a nice package. How can God forgive us and treat us with mercy and loyal love while at the same time staying true to his own perfect sense of justice and righteousness? They don't seem to work well together in our mind. 
Um, And about this point, the pastor and author Tim Keller has written, the Bible is one long great answer to that question. How can God be loving and forgiving and also just and righteous? So one part of the answer to this question is that um, when we see God acting, um, justice is never separated from mercy. Um, It's part of who he is. He can't separate them out. When God does justice, it's always motivated by loyal love and compassion for us. And by contrast, we humans often think about justice in a much smaller way, and it's primarily focused on kind of like what we saw from those TV shows that are really popular, catching and condemning the bad guys and punishing the guilty, which echoes our examples from TV shows and movies and you know, many other parts of, of culture. So as we look at Psalm 72 and the rest of the Bible, we can see that God's vision of justice is a lot bigger and broader and more beautiful than that. So we can see that um, there's four points here. Um, God's vision of justice uh, restores, humbles, rescues, and extends. So restores would be verse 1 through 7 from Psalm 72. Humbles 8 through 11, rescues 12 through 14, extends 15 through 19. So we'll try to go through this quickly. Um, So first is restores. Um, We can see this in verse 1 and 2, starting out with verse 1 and 2. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. So... um, This Psalm 72, people think maybe David wrote it, or they they believe that David wrote it, and they believe that it's possible that he wrote it as a, um, like a coronation prayer for his son, Solomon. Um, Not 100% on that, but that's that's the belief. And maybe they even said this at all of the the coronations after that, for all of the kings of Israel. So they're reading this to the kings at the ceremony, and they're trying to help the king to remember what his job is as king. And you can see that the first few things here are, give the king your justice and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Um, And so this, these two things, justice and righteousness, we talked about these often going together. So very quickly, I want to just go through the, the, the original words here. And it might help us because our words of justice and righteousness in English are not quite, the way we think about it are not quite the same. So the word for uh, righteousness um, is tzedakah, and this is focused on right relationships. So we're in a right relationship with God, and we also are in a right relationship with other people. So we can think of this as, I talked about, we're in the image of God, right? So we're treating people as if they are the image of God, with the honor and respect and dignity that people who are made in the, the image of God would, um, would, would, would uh, deserve. Um, and then the, the word mishpat, the word that we say justice, um, it, like I said, it's a little bit smaller than our understanding of justice. Um, our understanding of justice is a little bit smaller than this mishpat. So there's two different ways here that the Bible uses this word, mishpat, uh, the word we, we use, um, justice. Uh, one, of the, one of them is the retributive justice. So we're, we're catching the bad guys and, and punishing them. But a much bigger 
more often it's restorative justice. Um, and that's helping those who are oppressed or helping those who are poor or helping those who are needy, um, helping those who are being taken advantage of by others. Um, that is a big part of God's vision of justice in, that we see, especially in the Old Testament. So it's not only about um, bringing down the high and mighty, bringing down the proud, but it's also about pulling up the lowly um, and helping others who need help. And God, we can see in the Bible, has a very, very special concern um, for this group of people. And it's often the poor, needy, lowly, oppressed. Those, those four, poor, needy, lowly, oppressed, are often, often used regularly. Um, so we can see this in many different places all throughout the Bible. I'd like to kind of do a very quick survey. Um, in Genesis, uh, when God talks to Abraham and kind of gives his vision to Abraham, uh, again, he uses this. He wants, you, he wants him to uh, bring justice and righteousness. So Genesis 18, 19. This is God talking about Abraham. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. And then uh, if we go into Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you may have heard about this. There's a series of laws that God gave the, the Israelites about um, how to order society um, so that the the poor, the lowly, the needy are taken care of. Um, some people have called this God's social security system. So um, one of them is about the margins. Have you heard of this? When you reap your, uh, your, your crops at harvest time, you're not allowed to harvest the whole thing. You have to leave the outside um, for people who need food um, so that people don't have to go hungry. Um, and then there, there were more. Um, so... Uh, there's supposed to be a special tithe um, every three years. Um, again, uh, this is from Deuteronomy chapter 14. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes that that year produces and store them in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Um, again, uh, still in Deuteronomy, this is Deuteronomy chapter 15. This is God talking about debt cancellation. So he had a law that every se seven years, every seven years, all of the debts would be canceled. So just imagine if one of our government officials ran on that ticket, right? <laughs> um, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's truly amazing. We can't imagine stuff like this. So this is you can start to see God's, um, again, this is so that people do not get stuck in debt forever and they don't have this cycle of poverty. Um, God's very concerned about this group of people. Okay, so then that's every seven years. There's also the seven times 70th year. So after the 49th year and the 50th year, there's the year of Jubilee. Um, and this is just like an extra special seventh year. So um, people, of course, are still uh, released from their debts but we're also releasing all of the slaves, all of the people who were put into slavery because of their debt. And even the property who people lost, it's supposed to be returned to the original owner. It's, it's like, it's, it's extravagant. I mean, we read it and we're just kind of like, wow, God, really? It seems like a bit much, you know? Um, but but this, is, this is kind of repeated over and over throughout the Bible. 
Um, and um, so we can, we can keep seeing this. You can see in the prophets, uh, there's lots of talk in the prophets about the poor and the needy and how Israel is not taking care of them and how God is not happy with this. Um, here's just one example. This is from Jeremiah chapter 22. Um, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. So you can see in Isaiah, in Amos, God is always talking about this through his prophets. And then the last prophet, um, this is moving into the New Testament, just before the Messiah, John the Baptist, um, he had a similar message. So um, John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 uh, verse 11 and 14. He's answering the people's questions. Uh, you know, John the Baptist was out in the desert. He was really criticizing people severely. And he was saying, you know, you're going in the wrong direction. You need to repent and be baptized and turn toward God. Um, and people are touched by his message. And they said, you know, they asked a very simple question. They said, what should we do then? What should we do? Um, John maybe didn't give the answer you might expect. He didn't say, go to the temple more, pray more, uh, you know, go to more Bible studies, whatever. He says, this is his answer. Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. And then in 14, some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. All right, so many, many, many different places. That's just a few, but... We can see clearly when we look, especially at the Old Testament, and as we go into the New Testament, John the Baptist, Jesus' words, um, God's vision of justice is very, very active in providing for the poor and the needy and the oppressed, and he calls his people to do the same. Um, if we keep going in Psalm 72, if you go back to Psalm 72, you can see that there's some um, images, some word pictures um, that the, the writer uses to talk about this idea of God restoring people, um, his vision of justice being that one of restoration. And um, there is um, an idea here about uh, shalom. So if you've ever you know, heard of this term, you, you may be familiar with it. But this is a big term in the Bible. And that's, that's what we read here in um, verse, excuse me, the mountains will bring prosperity, I think, is, is how your, uh, how your, your uh, version here says it. But that word prosperity is the word shalom. So it's a big word. Um, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, this word shalom, prosperity, welfare, peace, there's all kinds of different words that the Bible uses to, or that we in, in, in the English language use to translate this. Um, so yes, let the mountains bear shalom for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. And then going on, may there be abundance of grain in the land, on the tops of the mountains may it wave. Um, so there's a few word pictures here as we look throughout Psalm 72 that um, God is not only, or you know, through, through the writer, God is talking to us not only about the world as we see it, but also a bigger picture. He's pointing us beyond the world as we see it. Um, and this is one of those images. 
So I have a story about this from a friend of mine who serves in the southwest part of our country or, or used to live in the southwest part of our country where the organization that I work with serves. He lived there for a few years. He's also an American. His name is Matt. Um, and he was living in this tiny little village in the mountains, um, very similar to some of the places where our organization has done health, health and education work over the years. And um, he was living there and just learning, um, writing, researching, um, trying to understand China from the picture of a small little village in rural southwest China. And uh, he got to know this friend, Mr. Liu, um, very well. It became his best friend in the, com in the community. He was working really hard with him one day. And he, uh, he, you know, they were in the dirt. And they sat down on the side of the, of the, the, the hillside. And they looked out onto this beautiful vista. Um, it's a beautiful place. And my friend Matt talked to his friend and said, hey, do you ever just stop and sit down and just enjoy this beautiful view? And his friend did not skip a beat. He said, Matt, don't you know? These mountains are why we're poor. So they have a very different perspective of mountains than we do. And um, of course, as we know, grain doesn't grow on top of mountains. <laughs> um, but we have this vision in the Bible in Psalm 72 about this abundance that we don't even see on earth. So this, this psalm is also pointing us forward to something beyond. And then you can also see that um, here, um, this vision of, of rain. So you look in Psalm uh, 72, verse 6. May he be like uh, rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. Um, again, um, looking at this from the perspective of the poor, um, uh, well, in this area as well, I mean, rain is so important. Um, many of the people, you know, who we serve in our, in our organization and um, uh, many people all around the world living in poverty, that's their that's their day-to-day -day life as well, is, you know, subsistence agriculture. So rain is uh, beautiful, and rain is life, and rain means that your family is going to survive. Um, rain means that you're going to have income. Um, and I know that's true through a big section of the Midwest here, too. We, we were in um, uh, Nebraska, and uh, I don't know what it's like down here, but they were praying for rain uh, last Sunday. Um, and... Uh, so rain is good news. Rain means prosperity. Rain means growth. Um, so we can see through all of these things about God's vision of justice. God restores the poor, the needy, and the oppressed. God's vision of justice brings prosperity and shalom, even on the mountaintops. And God's vision of justice brings abundant rain showers to the poor. So we have this uh, beautiful vision of God's justice. There's also the hard vision of God's justice, and that's kind of the second point. Uh, we can see some of this in the next section. This is where God's justice humbles us. Um, and you can see, um, all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. This quote from Psalm 72. Um, and uh, if David is the author of this, and if this is about his son Solomon, this is some... This is some uh, pretty impressive uh, prophecy that David is saying here because he's talking about um, the, the kings of Sheba and Seba. So 
if you recall, uh, the queen, not the king, but the queen of Sheba came to visit David. Um, and she was amazed by him and impressed by him. She said, Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. Um, we can see throughout the Old Testament this is happening. God is doing something to bless the Israelites, the people around, the kings around. Oftentimes they will rebel against that and fight against that, but some of them actually recognize, oh wow, there's something special happening here. Your God is amazing, incredible. And they start to worship him. Um, so that, that happened in, in, that, in that region. Um, and then, of course, this section also points us forward as well to another king. Um, this is a king who came as a baby. And other kings came from other parts of the world to come and bow down and worship him. Um, he was born, Jesus was born into a poor family in a tiny town away from the centers of power. He lived with very little earthly possessions for most of his life. Um, in the first words of his public ministry, he said he had come to fulfill the words from Isaiah 61, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And later he began his most important sermon, um, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, with the words, blessed are the poor in spirit. And Jesus and his disciples talked about this idea quite a lot. Um, I'll try to run through this uh, a little more quickly. So, Jesus on the Sermon on the Plain, we can see some of the things as they talk about these ideas of rich and poor. Um, there is this sense of humbling, and there is this sense of, it's really hard for us to hear. Um, so I'm going to read through a few of these. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Um, this is the Sermon on the Plain, as they call it, from Luke's chapter 6. It, it echoes a lot of um, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so this is Jesus speaking. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And then he goes on. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn. And weep. And Jesus' disciples, um, his brother James, uh, his just disciple John, um, they, they continued this idea in their writings. Um, James chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth is rotted, and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Wow. <laughs> um, it's very uncomfortable, especially if we find ourselves in, in, um, in the rich category. And uh, he goes on. Um, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And again, uh, John's, uh, the, the apostle John, Jesus' a disciple in Revelation 3. He said, you say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, 
pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So this idea about being poor or rich and Jesus' idea about being poor in spirit, it reminds me of another story. Um, and this is uh, right before we came to the U.S. Um, in 2020. It was actually at the end of 2019. My uh, son, John, he had his fifth birthday party, and I was chatting with one of the dads. And uh, I didn't know him very well. Um, so, um, you know, we were just sharing about our work. He was sharing with me about his work. Um, he's like a, in a corporate job. He's doing an MBA, very kind of traditional um, pathway for a lot of people in my generation. I was telling him about my work, which is quite a lot different, and uh, saying that I work for a Christian rural development organization, and, you know, we work in, um, you know, these different places in Asia. And um, he, he wanted to, he was engaging me, with me a little bit about Christianity, he didn't have many questions, but he wanted to tell me what he thought. So he mentioned that um, he had several friends who had become Christian. And um, he noticed something about these friends who came to Christ. And he said, oh, all of them had some big problem in their life, something very stressful, some crisis. Um, and, you know, they, they, they need, you know, they need something like this. They need religion. They need Christianity. Um, so what he didn't say, but what he, was, what he was saying is that I don't need that because I am strong. I am successful. I am rich. I'm doing very well. No crisis, no problem in my life. I don't think I need what my friends need because I'm not, I'm not in some big crisis. So if we look on what Jesus is talking about, he talks a lot about the poor. He talks a lot about being poor in spirit. So that, that picture, that conversation that I just had, my friend, that's a picture of being middle class in spirit or rich in spirit. Um, and so what about me? What about us? Um, how is our spirit? I think um, the choice that Jesus is giving us um, and his disciples are pre presenting before us is we can insist, like our friend that I was speaking with, that we're rich or middle class in spirit and that we don't really need help, that we can do it all ourselves. Or we can acknowledge the truth about ourselves, and that's that we, we are poor. And if we can admit that, then we can be rescued. Um, and so this brings us to the next point. Um, verse 12 to 14 from um, Psalm 72. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. So this word saves is something I wanna, I wanna touch on here. Um, you can see the word, he saves the lives of the needy. Um, again, going back to the Hebrew word, I think it shows us a lot that that root word for saves is uh, yasha. Um, I want to read from another place in the Old Testament that uses a variation of this word, um, and that's Isaiah chapter 25. The sovereign Lord, sorry, again, this is a, this is a, a, this is a prophecy about the, 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 the Messiah. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces, 
he will remove his people's disgrace from all the people, from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And this word salvation, um, it can also mean deliverance, victory, rescue. That word is Yeshua. That's Jesus' name. And so that's what he came to do. He came to rescue us. Um, this is one of the reasons I love, I don't know if you guys have kids or not, or grandkids. There's a, a book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, and they call Jesus the rescuer. I love that. Um, and that's who he is for us. Um, when uh, when uh, the angel came and told Mary about Jesus, that he was going to be born, she sang a song, and she gave us some of these same ideas. Luke chapter 1, Mary's song, the Magni Magnificat. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And to end here, um, let's go back to Isaiah 25 again and keep reading there. So we can see many of the concepts and images that Psalm 72 has shown us kind of brought together. Again, this is pointing us forward um, to the Messiah. Uh, so this is from Isaiah 25. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a refuge, a, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And of course, this is pointing us forward. What's the mountain? The mountain is uh, the city of Jerusalem. And outside of the city of Jerusalem, a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. This points us to Jesus on the cross. On the cross, we see Jesus... He's naked, he's poor, he's pitiful, he's wretched. He utterly lost his shalom. His friends deserted him. He lost his eternal and perfect relationship with God, his Father. He experienced mental and emotional desolation that we can't even begin to understand. He experienced the exact opposite of shalom so that we could experience perfect shalom. Jesus experienced the worst injustice so that we could be made righteous. Why did he do it? Love, mercy, the other side of God's character. Willingly going to the cross was Jesus' perfectly merciful and righteous act of loyal love for us. And only in Jesus on the cross do we see the answer to that big question of the Bible that we mentioned at the beginning. Perfect love and perfect justice delivered together. And not only that, through Jesus' death and resurrection, as a free gift to us, God gives us his righteousness. He puts it on us. And he makes us his royal sons and daughters, just like Solomon. 
And as the sons and daughters of the king, like Solomon, he calls us to join him in doing justice and righteousness so that all the nations, will, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for uh, showing us, uh, being the picture, being the image, the true image of, of what you're like, um, showing us how to be a true human. Um, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Uh, thank you for uh, saving us. Thank you for being our rescuer. Help us, God, to realize that we do need rescue. Um, to realize that we are actually poor um, and, and that we need somebody to, to come and, and save us and that you have been the one to do it. Thank you, God, for the Psalms. Um, thank you for um, how they um, help us to process our, our emotions and all the bad things that are happening in, in life and how they also point us back to you, how they help us to uh, bring, our, bring our big feelings to you. Um, and point us even forward to your answer to all of these problems, um, to Jesus on the cross. Thank you, God. Pray all these things in his name. Amen.